The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. the world your lover. Oh, that's what we're here to do, my darlings. That's what we do through my online joy school at lisamacourt.com, through my newest book, Free Your Joy, The 12 Keys to Sustainable Happiness. And it's what we're going to do right here, right now together on the Do Joy podcast, where I bring you fascinating guests with powerful insights for elevating your personal vibration. Deep lasting happiness is a skill you can learn, and I'm so honored to be on this journey with you. Happy holiday season, my beautiful listener loves. I hope you're carving out time for you during this season of so much doing and going and buying and feasting. It's not so much the season of just being, but that is my wish for you. And with that in mind, I thought it's a great time to share with you a guest teacher I hosted recently at Joy School who specializes in remedies for the kind of busy, busy doingness that so many of us find ourselves caught up in this time of year. Her voice, her presence, her energy is so peaceful and so contagious that I'm really glad you're giving yourself this treat today. I love you, and I'm wishing you so much peace and reflection and self-care this holiday time and always. Petra Broombauer is a well-being coach, podcast host, creator of the Journey Wellbeing Platform. After spending most of her professional career as a management executive in Canada, she relocated to the west coast of France in 2017. In 2019, she created the Journey Wellbeing Platform after a transformative personal experience inspired her to share her own journey of healing, self-discovery, psychology, and mental health. Petra's expertise is focused on professional women managing burnout and stress, and stress, where she offers individualized holistic strategies for healing and self leadership. I'm so excited that Petra is sharing her brilliance with us today. Maybe let's start with that transformative experience. If, if you're willing to share about that, would that be okay? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's my pleasure to be here today. And thank you so much for having me. I know that stress and burnout is, is a topic that is so relevant today. And, and it doesn't have any age limits or gender limits or cultural limits. It kind of happens everywhere and to anyone. So I think it's a it's a really good topic to dive into today. And I've had a couple of transformative experiences, but the one that was mostly related to my own stress and burnout situation was, was back in Canada when I worked as a management executive and 
there was a lot of, of pressure of performing, of sales, of opening up new territories, of bringing new clients. And there's a certain lifestyle associated with that kind of job. I mean, you do get to travel and you have a company credit card, you have a nice salary. I mean, I was pretty much fresh out of university. So the, the salary was, wow, more than I'd ever made in my life. So it was really exciting. But there are costs that come with that. And so after working at that for a few years, I, I wasn't myself anymore. And I didn't feel well, I didn't sleep well, I didn't eat well. I was questioning what the point was of all of that, because sure, it was nice to buy things and have a, a nice car, you know, and things like that, and be able to take my friends out for dinner and do things like that. But I wasn't happy. And I could tell that I wasn't myself. And actually, funny enough, after that experience, I changed jobs, I, I left that work. And um, I, I went to work somewhere else. And over the years, I had a similar experience. <laughs> so I, I felt like I, I didn't really learn anything from that first experience. I went right back to pouring out, pouring out, pouring out until it, it reached a breaking point where it just wasn't sustainable anymore. And what I put into the work and what I felt that physically and mentally I got out of the work just didn't balance anymore. And that was sort of a step for me where I really said, well, I'm happy with, with the money I make, but is that really everything there is to life? Is that really everything that I'm going to be doing from now until I retire is, is just chasing after money and material things. And, and this is when I, when I started stepping into really looking inside myself and saying to myself, you know, there has to be more to this. There, there has to be a better way to do this. And, and that was sort of the first transformative uh, situation that happened and, and also that there wasn't any any help specifically available in that situation you know I had a, a counselor at the time and it was I lived in a very small town so the the counseling choices were very limited the internet wasn't as prevalent as is today where you can do teletherapy and all those things and I, I felt like there wasn't a lot of support and, and not many people I could speak to that there wasn't many groups online and my parents couldn't really relate because they'd grown up in a generation where, you know, it was post-war, you just worked, nobody cared really what you thought or what you wanted and just had to get done and you had to survive. So very different mentality also when I spoke to them and a lot of my friends couldn't relate. And so it was also a, a situation where I really had to sit down and, and say, look, this isn't going to come from anywhere outside. This isn't going to come from a book or an app or, or anything like that. This, this has to come from inside. There has to be a change in how I look at things and how I live. And so that, that was the first, first part of it. And the second part happened actually after we moved to France and um, had a very tough a year. I had a lot of deaths in my family in that year. And my best friend actually uh, died in his late 30s from a heart attack, which was very unexpected. And I again started questioning what I was doing and why I was doing what I was doing. Now, at the time, I was still working in that same job that I was experiencing the burnout in earlier on. So I, I was still making things work with that. I had moved largely online because we had relocated to France. I was still in that same situation 
And that is actually where I then decided to make a really big change and leave that job and start creating the journey and orienting towards holistic well-being, becoming a well-being coach. And, and that year really, really transformed me from the inside out. <laughs> and just And that was, you know, the, I hear it's often that you have to reach a certain point of pain until you make a decision to make a change. And that's kind of exactly what it took for me. Many, many years of pain and being uncomfortable and unhealthy, I would even say, until finally that pain was so great that I felt like I was sacrificing way too much in my life and and that change had to happen. So so those two things really started off my journey and, and set the path a little bit for, for where I'm at today. Thank you for sharing that with us. That gives us a lot of insight into what brought you here for sure. And I love that you talked about how it's a repeated pattern because we talk about this a lot in Joy School. This is what we do, right? We, we're creating everything out there. Our whole external environment is created from what's going on in here. And we think we can just play whack-a-mole and keep like getting these things out here under control and it's going to be different, but we're always going to be creating from, from what we're embodying within us. I'm wondering once you made this huge shift and started the the journey, which is just an absolutely beautiful um, platform for what you do, what, did you have to sort of monitor yourself not to overdo it there because there's a lot involved in in juggling the balls that you juggle? Like how how do you how do you keep it all in that that sweet spot where you're accomplishing and achieving and making a difference in the world while not reaching that burnout point? It's funny that you say that because I, I learned that lesson the hard way this year, actually, again. So I I thought that when I first stepped into this, this business that it was aligned with what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be. So certifying myself in all these holistic modalities, working with people, helping, healing myself, giving myself the space to, to really process a lot of, of the past trauma and things like that. And I really thought, wow, I'm not going to get burnout this time because I'm doing things I love and I'm doing things I really enjoy. Until it came to a point earlier this year where we actually, uh, we ran a holistic well-being summit. And I also had chosen to go back to school to do my master's. And somehow this year, I reached that a point where I could tell I'm heading down that same path. And so that was a really good lesson to, even though I was doing something I really love and really enjoy, I felt like too much was pouring out again and not enough was coming back in to really sustain myself. So I had to make the decision to start building a little bit of a team and actually handing off some of the things that were happening in the business, also in my personal life, because some of that burnout, you know, we, we sometimes think that burnout only happens at work, but burnout can happen through so many things. It can also happen if you're a mom or dad staying home or in your relationships, right? Like there's many places that burnout can happen. And for me, it also happened in my home life because trying to keep the household going and cleaning and cooking and shopping while doing all the other things, it just became too much. And so I had to learn to say, look, it would be great to have a person who could maybe clean a few hours every few weeks. Yes, it will cost a bit of money, but it will give me some of that time back that I really, really desperately needed to take care of myself. So 
there were some decisions made this year to to come back into alignment and to come back into that space where I could say, yes, I love my work and I am able to take care of myself and, and really make sure that I'm still aligned at the same time. It's such a tricky balance because, you know, we, we, we talk a lot about how sometimes these things that we, we start to see as our, our weaknesses are, are things that we need to overcome, like a, you know, like that sort of a drive or also our strength. So very often that's the case, wherever we have a, a, a lot of our personality funneled can be our strength and can be our weakness and finding that, that sweet spot where you're a very high achieving, successful person. There's nothing wrong with that, but it, it is important to, to have that balance. I know you talk about holistic well-being is is this what you mean by holistic like we we can't just be well in one area we have to really scatter our wellness throughout our lives i feel like it's all connected and that also came through for me and and that i was battling a lot of chronic pain so I, in my view, that's the, the mental, the emotional, the physical, it all comes together and connects. And when one is really out of balance and when we're driving our bodies and pushing our bodies through burnout and a lot of stress, that'll have ripple effects and we might start feeling anxious or really overwhelmed or we might even have some sort of depression or low mood happening. And mentally, we might experience brain fog or like we can't focus. So I think it comes full circle and all of that connects together. And so I think addressing one and saying, okay, well, today I'm going to eat really healthy and that'll fix all of my problems. I think that's where we need to really look at, at all of the pieces in our lives and, and really make sure that we're addressing all of them together so that we can have a result where we actually are healthy and balanced and happy. For sure. For sure. And, um, one of the ways to do that is to integrate mindfulness into your daily activities, right? Do you do you have a mindfulness practice that you could share or help us to see how you manage that with all you've got going on? Yeah, so I found that mindfulness is one of those things that are a bit tricky because for some people, especially if they're really stressed or they have experienced burnout or trauma, being in the moment can be a very scary thing and it can actually set off a lot of anxiety. And I feel like that anxiety comes from living in the future too much and worrying about what ifs and, and what happens if that or what happens if that. So the mindfulness, as I learned to bring that into my daily practice, the mindfulness actually reminded me that I can let those things go and I don't need to have all of the answers for the future. I don't need to know what I'm going to do my business 10 years down the road. I don't even need to worry about what I'm going to cook next week or, or what color clothing I'm going to wear. So mindfulness really brought me back to the moment and saying, I don't have to have regrets or worry about the past because that sometimes causes depression and things like that. I don't need to worry about the future because that makes me really anxious and feel overwhelmed. Like I need to know everything right now. I can take that pause and I can come to this very moment where I am right now and I can just breathe and I can be here for as long as I need to, to center myself. So together with the mindfulness and, and I also like using um, the heart coherence from, from heart math in those moments as well, I do two things. So sometimes I feel like anxiety and, and burnout and stress really disconnect us from our bodies and 
I feel like I'm kind of running around like a chicken with my head cut off, just trying to get everything sorted. So sometimes it's great to literally just take an object and you can take anything that you have laying around. If you have an orange or you have, I have a tube of hand cream here, take that thing and, and focus on it. What does it smell like? What's the color? What's the shape? What does it feel like in your hand? It sounds really, really strange, but that actually brings you back into the moment. You have no choice but to focus on that item at the moment and to really take it in with all of your senses. I mean, I wouldn't recommend licking the hand cream, but if you have something in your hand, you know, that you can even taste or something like that, to really involve all of your senses and come back to now and just let your body settle into that, let your mind settle into that and give yourself that break where you're not responsible for a million things that you have to regret from the past or a million things you need to know for the future. You're just here and you're just connecting with that one thing. And at the same time, I also like doing the heart-focused breathing to create a bit of that heart-brain coherence that is so important to keep us in the moment. And it's so easy to do. You can even do that with your eyes open. So even if you're, you know, on a bus ride or you're in the grocery store and you feel like you have an overwhelming moment or you feel like you're coming out of your balance, you can do that anytime and just focus on your heart. And you can even put your hands over your heart if you like and just take some really deep breaths into your belly and let it flow through your heart. Think of your heart. Think of the breath coming in and out through your heart. And it's, it's kind of funny because even if you do this for just a, a minute or two, you can feel your body relaxing. And I even I feel my shoulders kind of coming down, my jaw starts relaxing. It's sort of this instant cue to your body to let go and to take that breath. And so those are a couple of things I like to, doing during the day when, when I kind of feel myself coming off center, off alignment and I feel like I'm just not in the flow. <laughs> so um, those are two things that I think can be really helpful if you if you do them kind of consistently. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. We love the the heart math stuff. And um and I, I love the mindfulness with the object. That's uh uh you know, I, I know that 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 works really well when you just are all noticing the details and the smell and everything about that object. Another one I'll throw in here because this is home play for anybody who's interested in home play. This is it. Another one that I've um I've learned is is to expand your field of vision to actually see how much of the room around you you can take in with your eyes just naturally gently focus forward notice what's in your peripheral vision because our brain cue when we're focused in on something like really intently is is almost a danger signal that we're sending our brains and when we're taking in a vista big you know wide horizon like that, that's why people find it so calming and soothing to be on a mountaintop or to have the ocean to look at because when we expand our field of vision like that it signals our brain that we're safe and we can relax and there's no threat imminent so different different ways to try that out excellent yeah, absolutely and if any of of your listeners also like experimenting and working with their vagus nerve there's also really nice exercise that i love doing that kind of um, brings your your vagus nerve into action and helps trigger that sort of relaxation response as well and i 
I got this from Stanley Rosenberg's book, so this is not anything that I created. <laughs> but um, he has some fantastic exercises for the vagus nerve in his book. And it's so simple to do. Um, it's, it's called a salamander exercise. And basically all you do is just put your hand on your head. And I'm not really sure if there's a video, but if you can't see me, just put your hand on the top of your head. And then basically what all you're going to do is just tilt your ear to your shoulder. So you, you just start tilting that and then you just, you keep your head there and you move your eyes upwards. So basically if we're, if we're kind of right now, the gaze is sort of forward, I'm just going to roll my eyes up to the ceiling, but I'm going to keep my head in that same position. And you just start breathing deeply into your belly. You can hold us for 30 to 60 seconds. And you might find that you have a yawn or a sigh as the vagus nerve kind of starts triggering and you're starting to get into that relaxation place. And you can do this on both sides. So when you come back to center and just be gentle on your neck so you don't whip your head around and hurt yourself. But you can do this on the other side as well and just tilt your ear to your shoulder and then put your eyes up to the ceiling. And if you find it easier, you can also put your eyes um, down towards the floor. So Stanley Rosenberg has both versions in his book. And it's a really simple exercise that you can do just on the couch or if you're even when you're sitting on your chair at work <laughs> in front of your desk, you can do this. And it just helps. Like you said, your your body gets a signal that we're safe and we can relax now and we can breathe and our chest can expand. And so that actually makes a difference in just a few minutes. So I like doing that during the day too. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Do you know the, the title of the book, the Stanley Rosenberg book? Yeah, it's um, called Accessing the Healing Power of the Vagus Nerve. So that's, that's by Stanley Rosenberg. Yeah. yeah. We've done some vagus nerve uh, work, but I'd love to see that book. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Awesome. So what, what do you think makes it that we don't feel safe? Well, that's the problem, right? That's where our nervous systems are so jacked up. What are, what are the hurdles to our well-being that you've encountered? Yeah. Unfortunately, I think there's so many at, yeah. at this time, you know, I, I think uh, as a woman, for myself, I experienced this kind of burnout culture where I was expected to just be able to shoulder everything. And I think that's one of the biggest things is that we're just expected to do it all and have it all. And asking for help is a weak thing. Having low mood or being anxious is a weak thing. Asking for help is a weak thing. So there's these expectations almost that you have to be perfect and you have to perform all the time at whatever cost. And there's different things that come into that mix, right? You might have toxic relationships mixed into that. You might have financial problems. You might have health issues. And for some people, um, I know a lot of single moms or single dads, and they're also struggling in those situations. But I think it's that expectation that we have to just be perfect and function. And it robs us a lot of of the depth of the emotion that we can have and also of the fact that we can say sometimes hey look what i did today was was enough and now i have to take care of myself i find a lot of people i talk to feel really guilty about taking time for themselves and doing something for themselves and it, it, it's a rethink on that point that that's not a luxury it's not a thing that you should do if you sometimes have time 
it's a really necessary thing. It's like putting gas in your car or like having an oil change. You will burn the motor out if you don't do those things, right? This this is not an optional thing. <laughs> so you have to take care of things. And, and it's the same way that you have to take care of yourself. And, and I think that those kind of societal expectations and and I don't discount any of the things that, you know, many people are experiencing. There's the rising cost of living. There's, you know, problems with the economy. There's war. All those things make people feel unsafe as we don't really know what will happen tomorrow during the pandemic also, right? Day by day, we just didn't know what will happen tomorrow, what will happen to the world. Can I see my family again? When can I see them? I mean, we were stuck here in France and didn't know when we could see our family in Canada again. It, it was actually several years. So I think especially in this really fast-paced world, everyone sort of has so many facets to their lives that can cause a lot of fear and uncertainty because we just don't know where things are heading. The same with work, right? We have so many places that have no workers and don't know if they will be able to open again or they will survive in the future. So I think there's many, many different things coming into the mix on that. And on top of that, like I said, I think there's this this pressure that that you you shouldn't be complaining and you shouldn't be asking for help because that's just a really bad thing to do. And that I, I think we need to unlearn and we need to come back into that space where we share, where we have community with, with others, with our loved ones. We share responsibilities, we share our burdens, our worries, and we really come back into that space of, of taking care of ourselves and, and just feeling the love from, from the people in our lives and sharing that together. Yeah. Hallelujah, sister. Yeah, I know you and I have, have talked about the importance of community and how, how beneficial community is. And I, I feel like we've gotten away from that. And so often, even if we feel like we have a loving family, we might look around and, and just not feel seen or attuned. We're, we're not attuned to in the way that nurtures us and gives us that space to be all of who we are. So I, I think community is a, a huge, huge answer to yeah. Situation. And I think that global sort of globalization has added to that a bit because many families live very scattered, right? My family lives on several different continents, even <laughs> so, it's it's hard to say, hey, mom, I'm gonna pop by, you know, for lunch or or something, or even with my sister to say, hey, I I can come and help you um, because I know that you have a child, I can come help you for a bit. Those options just aren't available, and and many people live like that. I'm I'm not the only one, so. There's also this the distance that often adds to losing that community that you have around you, just even with your close family. So, yeah, I think it's so important that that when you move somewhere, that you actually build up that support network, that community, and, and you find people that you can connect with wherever you live. Yeah. And and online, I think online yeah. works. Online gets a bad rap because it's not the same as the hugs and the touch and being in someone's physical essence, but energy is non-local. We do a lot of love in, in our online yeah. spaces and and it's a, a beautiful thing that we have that, to have that. And sometimes a place where you just go 
an hour a week or something like that, you you can feel more free to be yourself. There's a little less expectation because the people around mm -hmm. us who see us every day like to keep us in those boxes that they've decided we should be in. And sometimes it's uncomfortable for them if we want to be something that's not in those boxes. So it's important to find some place where you can just go be all of who you are and know that you will be attuned to and heard and valued and validated and all of that. Yeah. Absolutely. And and I feel we have that now, right? There's many online communities and and many people like myself who actually work, I think, predominantly online. And it makes it a lot more accessible to people all around the world. So I do love the online component. And I think it is very important because without it, many people might not be able to connect at all, right? So Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I I I agree. And I know you talk about the the Consistent well-being practices are one thing, and then maybe genuine joy is a different thing. Can you draw a line between those those two things for us? Yeah, I I feel like the the joy, and maybe this goes back also a little bit to Osho's teachings, and, and maybe we're heading a bit more east now with that. But I found through a lot of the reading and the research that I did when when I was questioning what was happening in my life that there are kind of different, let's say, like levels. So I think Osho describes them as, you know, happiness, pleasure, joy, and bliss. And so the gist of it is that we we really focus on a lot of the material things and, and the things that give us pleasure. So, you know, we want to take that vacation or buy the house or a new car. And, and we think that that will actually make us happy. And it might for a little bit. But looking to these external validating things, it just doesn't create that inner joy that we carry in ourselves and that we're all born with. It's our birthright to experience that joy. And so Osho actually takes it quite a bit further that bliss is, is you know, where you kind of dissolve into the universe. It's the enlightenment. And I don't think that most regular people like myself probably will never get to exactly that point. But I think that the overall important message from the teachings is that when you are focused on all the external validations, you're going to miss out on that inner joy that you carry. And that's the only place where you're actually going to find sustainable, real joy for your life. It's the only place where you're going to find that awe and that wonder, where you're going to find that that bliss that gives you your why, why you want to do things, you know, and connects you, like you said, with the people in your community that all comes from the inside. It, it comes from finding your alignment, your purpose, it comes from actually answering the questions of what makes me happy? Why am I here? What do I want to do? What do I want to achieve? And nothing that we buy or experience even as a food or an experience or a vacation, none of that will have that kind of lasting joy that we can create from the inside. So I think that was an important lesson to learn also because as we as we compare ourselves <laughs> with other people and maybe with neighbors or family members, there might be this tendency to say, well, I need all those things that they have because they seem really happy. And, and we sometimes forget that that actually comes from inside. And so we might not even need all of those things. <laughs> actually, our purpose and our alignment and our joy just kind of radiates outwards once we connect with that. So... For me, that's a bit of that difference, kind of that external and internal, and, and it's difficult to to trust yourself 
on that level and to follow your intuition into what actually makes you happy. I found that to be one of the most difficult things <laughs> to start off with. It's always easier to go and buy a, a new piece of clothing or something that makes you happy so much easier, but it, you know, it doesn't last and then, and it doesn't actually lead you to a place where you're going to be aligned and joyful and find your purpose. So, yeah. So true. So true. And the kind of ironic thing just to add on to that is that we want all these things in our external environment. And we think we have to get those in order to feel joy inside, like you've expressed, but learning the skills of feeling that joy, being full from the inside, having that self-compassion, that's what shifts your energy to go out and really easily effortlessly create all that stuff out there. Anyway, you just don't care as much then it doesn't matter as much <laughs> It's not exactly. as at that point, because you already have the joy and happiness that you wanted to get those things in order for it to bring you. And I find it really shifts your desires, like right, the things that you decide that you want in the world change a lot when you're, when you're tapped into your soul desires as as opposed to the desires that we've been taught would make us happy by other people. And Absolutely. I that you mentioned that, that final stage with, uh, with Osho of, of bliss, which is the, the no self, the Anatta from Buddhism. One of my co-teachers at a retreat I'm leading this weekend talks about no self. It's no self, no problem. How neuropsychology is catching up to Buddhism. And it's, to me, it's it's a, a really fun thing to talk about and learn about. But like you said, none of us are probably <laughs> going to achieve anatta in this lifetime, right? Yeah. But the closer we get to to that dissolution of the the self, the ego, the, what we call in joy school, the horizontal self, the more we just take everything so much less seriously. And that's where the joy comes in. When we recognize that all these problems that seem so big and so important and so looming are really not as consequential as we make it when we're just tuned in completely to that, that horizontal self. So thank you for, for sharing that. I love your voice. I love your energy. I love the calm that you bring to these, these insights. You just, you, you project what you speak of so elegantly is there any final thing that you wanted to to share before we go to our, our group conversation? You know, I think maybe one thing to to keep in mind as we go through the day is to keep checking back with ourselves. And, and this also comes from heart math. Like, where are we at? Uh, and, and they call it a, a grid, right? The depletion grid. So are you at the in this very moment are you feeling depleted exhausted tired maybe even depressed or anxious or are you on the other side of the grid where you're feeling fulfilled you're feeling alert excited happy joyful and if you're not on that side of the grid where you're feeling fulfilled and you're actually recharging what are some of the things that you can do to bring yourself to this other side of the grid. And this is also a very, very important lesson that, that took me a really long time to learn <laughs> because I didn't know there was this grid and I didn't know I could check in with myself during the day. But just a really important step in, in just making sure that as you're going through your day, you're actually following the things that bring you joy and that align you and that recharge you so that at the end of the day, you don't end up completely exhausted, crawling into your bed and, and kind of dreading the next day and maybe even getting sick, coming home with a migraine or something because the day has been really stressful. So 
checking in with yourself throughout the day and, and really finding out where you are on the grid and then taking steps to move yourself to the other side if you're on the depletion side. That I think can be a really, really valuable tool also for people to start coming into more of a space where you can be happy and where you can be joyful and where you can feel like yourself and like you're aligned. So I, I like using that <laughs> during the day. Yeah, so I have the journey website. So it's just thejourney.com and the journey is J-O-R-N-I. We had to spell it a little bit creatively. <laughs> so, uh, but you can find everything on the journey website. I also have a podcast called the journey podcast about mental health and holistic healing. And we have a blog, we run summits and events. Uh, we have courses going on. So a lot of things that you can find on the journey websites and a lot of free resources. Also, we have stress busting kids and um, sound healing, hypnosis files. Uh, I think we also have a free meditation track. So lots of things to try out for your own holistic well-being. And you can find all of those on the journey website. Thank you so much, Peja. I enjoy being with you every time we connect. I, I love your energy. It is so contagious and beautiful. And uh, thank you for being with us. Deepest gratitude and love to you, my beautiful listener tribe, with representation in 30 countries all across the globe. I'm so honored to spend this time with you. If you're wondering about my online events, my books, joining my Joy School community, all of that is waiting for you at lisamccord.com. I look forward to connecting with you there. Much love. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts.